Welcome to Locked On NFL, the number one daily NFL podcast on the number one daily sports podcast network. I am Brian Peacock alongside the scout Matt Williamson. You can find me on Twitter at Peacock. Matt is a must follow at Williamson NFL. You can find this program just like all the shows on the Locked On Podcast Network on all of your favorite podcast apps. It's Twitter Thursday, Matt. We've got a bunch of questions to get to. We have, I think, time to hit many of them, maybe not all of them, and always want to shout out everybody who gets involved with Twitter Thursday, even if we don't hit your questions. There is a little bit of news to get into first, and I think the the Tom Brady conversation is never going to end until he actually signs somewhere, whether it's back with the Patriots, Matt, or whether it is with another team, and it sounds like from the latest reports that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are about as all in as you can get with Tom Brady, which I would expect a few teams to be. Yeah, I mean that that's the headline. Tampa's quote all in on Tom Brady is one of the only one of the big things that have happened since we talked last. And I can understand that. I mean think about the Bucs. I mean, they won seven games last year. I mean, that might shock people to hear it, you know. I mean, they were seven and nine. Their defense got way better throughout the year. It was a great run defense and then became a pretty darn good all-around defense. They have some free agents on the defensive line that they need to deal with, but the back seven's in really good shape and young and athletic, and most importantly to me, Todd Bowles is running the show there. Uh, They have two stud receivers and a tight end that I think can be a stud. I don't know if he ever will be there or whatever, but that's a different story for a different day. And they have some draft capital and a fair amount of cap space that their first two picks could be a tackle and a running back to put around Brady. Like, that's not so bad. You know, I mean, Ali Marpet and some of these other guys are in place. And you look at the division. I mean, how much longer do the Saints have it by the throat? And is Atlanta a contender? I think Carolina is not, and they're totally rebuilding. So, if I'm Brady and you're going to give me a two-year deal and we're going to make a run and I'm listening, you know, I'm definitely listening. I, I think that's a more attractive spot than a lot of people want to give it credit for. And I was talking about Arians a little bit earlier too. Well, first of all, I want to go take it back, step, step back. I was listening to Mike Lombardi's podcast today, which is great. I, I urge everyone to check it out and and I often mention things he says, and he thought is what he said to paraphrase that Teddy Bridgewater is going to be the guy in Tampa. And that with Winston is kind of that guy of the quarterbacks on the move or potentially on the move that seems to have the most lukewarm interest in, you know, like he could be the, the, the musical chair that is, you know, he might be standing when all the chairs get full type of guy. And why I brought up Bridgewater, which, I don't love Bridgewater, but he's much, much different than James yeah. <laughs> in terms of game management and arm strength and skills and tools. Well, Brady's the Cadillac of that ver- of that type of quarterback. You know, it's it's like you break up with a crazy partying chick and you want someone you want to settle down with. You know, it's the total opposite. <laughs> that's that's a great point. Yeah, Teddy's <laughs> pretty much as opposite of Winston as you can get, and I like the Cadillac version of that being Tom Brady. I think that's a great analogy and a great way to put it. And by the way, that report about Bucks going all in on Brady is from Rick Stroud, who is plugged in uh, in Tampa. And that would seem to be a nice fit. And I I really like that marriage. If it potentially happens, good coach, good defense. You can really, um, I mean, the receivers that are there, it's a good situation for both the team and the player. And if you're trying to add things up and see if you can figure out where Brady might go, 
you have to consider both sides. And I like it for both sides when it comes to the Bucks and Tom Brady. And to put a little bit more fuel to that fire, this from Yahoo Sports. Charles Robinson, he said that the Buccaneers and Chargers are really putting themselves in a good position to make that run at Tom Brady. And the Chargers have been a team that's been linked to Brady for a long time. And at first I was like, yeah, the Chargers, Tom Brady doesn't want to go to the Chargers. But that team, the name won't go away, kind of like the Raiders. It's just it's sticking with connection to Tom Brady. So I wonder where that's coming from. Is it coming from Brady's camp or is it coming from those teams? Yeah, and you and I raised an eyebrow when the Chargers traded Okun thinking, Maybe that sixth pick in the draft is going to be a tackle and you put him next to a good young guard and all of a sudden that offense looks pretty nice. We know they have weapons if you can give them a line. Um, We talked about the Rams parallel of having a lot of star power in that city to drum up interest and get people in the seats. I think Tom Brady would actually get Chargers fans to go to the stadium. I mean, how could you not? And I think both those landing spots are ones I kind of brushed off a month or so ago, and they may make more sense than C or sorry, Oakland or even New England. And one common theme with them is weather. And I, I want to ask you, if you're Tom Brady, wouldn't you watch rather play in a warm weather city? You know, I mean, I know he's done the New England cold thing forever, but you see a lot of these old quarterbacks when they're getting rocked by a defensive lineman in December and January. It just looks like it hurts more. Maybe that's because I'm an old man and it looks like it hurts me, but <laughs> yeah. like well, man- Manning at the end of his career in cold weather getting hit just is not a good look. Well, Brady is an old man too. Brady is yeah, older right. than me. One of the few guys left in the NFL that is still older than I am. And I wouldn't want to be getting hit in cold weather. Absolutely. He, he, I mean, quality of life is a big one. You know, where does his family want to live? If he's going to move, he probably doesn't want to move somewhere where he's got to move three times before the end of his career. He probably wants to settle down somewhere. California, I could see being a place where he wants to go. Maybe Florida is a great place for people to retire. I mean, he's not your traditional retiring age of most Americans out there, but uh, it doesn't really matter where he goes. He's going to have plenty of cash uh, to be able to retire comfortably wherever he is. And you obviously can't count out the New England Patriots as the team that he ends up with. But there are a number of teams that make sense. And even when... It came to the 49ers. We had talked about the Niners and how I thought it just didn't really add up because long term, the 49ers have a guy who's played at, who played as well as Brady did last year and his arrows pointing up when you don't know what Brady is going to become as a 43-year-old and, of course, a 44-year-old after that. And you could be a team without a quarterback in a couple of years that if you're the 49ers, you want to extend this out and make this a long-term run and not just a let's try to win next year, even if you do believe that Brady is that guy. But then you start thinking, okay, how much does how much is money important to Brady? Is it let's say the 49ers, he wants to go home to play with his childhood team. Would he take a lot less? If you're the 49ers, could you pay Brady a lot less than you're already paying Garoppolo and get a draft pick for Garoppolo? Then you start to have a different conversation than about, okay, this guy or this guy straight up when you consider a long-term quarterback, the conversation changes. And then I, I also think about uh, how much he could get paid in all these places. If the Chargers are willing to give you the most money and you get to go play in L.A., in California, does that you know, break the tie for Tom Brady? There's a lot of factors here. Yeah, there really is. I mean, he's a smart guy with great people, I'm sure, advising him and taking his time. And I also think the celebrity wife situation, you know, ha- yeah. holds some water, too. You know, where does she want to live, work, operate out of? I mean, I don't know how... Uh, in she is still with what she's doing and I don't know that walk of life but I'm sure she has a lot of celebrity friends in LA and so does Tom and you know that wouldn't be so bad 
the music industry is big in Nashville. I'm not sure about the modeling industry, you know, so there's mm-hmm. a lot of things to take into consideration here and, and what's important to Tom Brady at this point in your career, you're probably trying to win some more and you want to play where you want to play. So, um, it's going to be a hard sell for some teams, I think, but interesting, you know, Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, there are some selling points with just about every franchise, but the ones that I see, if I'm from Brady's side, you know, staying where you're comfortable, finishing your career in the same spot where you've done all this great stuff in new England, I'm sure is, is a strong possibility still going to play for your childhood team in San Francisco has got to be at the top of his list. A team that just went to the super bowl. Who's very good uh, a team like Tampa Bay. We just outlined why they would make some sense. And then your old coach in Tennessee. I mean, those would seem like the ones that make the most sense. If you're going to play with the chargers, they're, you know, they're, they're a team that could be good with Tom Brady and, you know, they could draft that offensive tackle with the number six pick. You could be living in LA. So it's, it's tough to rank those. I could see a lot of reasons for Brady to go to a lot of places, which is why this is so intriguing for one of the all-time greats to actually be changing teams. Yeah, and I'm really warming up to the Chargers and the L.A. thing and the star power and throwing to Keenan Allen and keep Hunter Henry around, and that offense could be really good. But Mahomes looms over in that division, too. That's a good point. Yeah, things get a little bit more difficult if you head to the AFC West than they have been for 20 years in the AFC East. Uh, Speaking of the AFC East and the Patriots, former Pat Rob Gronkowski closing in on a deal to be a a professional or a superstar, as they call him, in the WWE. Are you a wrestling fan, Matt? I was growing up. I I mean, I got the magazines and all that and NWA and had a Road Warriors T-shirt. I mean, and so I was into (laughs) Ric Flair and that crew and back when it was the WWF and Hulk Hogan's rise and. Andre the Giant, by the way, that special on HBO is really awesome. Yes. And I respect it, but I have not paid any attention in the last 25 years or so. I mean, certainly college and beyond. But I've had it on near me. Like, once in a while, my son would pop it on or I'd you just stumble into it. They fly through the air now like crazy. I mean, they're a lot more athletic than they used to be. Absolutely. In a lot better shape. And yeah. Uh, they, I, I used to like it when I was a kid, same, you know, when it was back when it was called the WWF and Jimmy Superfly right. Snuka and the Ultimate Warrior and some of those weirdos. And I, I kind of liked how campy and odd it was and how crazy the characters were. And then it started to get almost too straight. It's like, you know, they're in too good of shape and their name is like Bob Johnson. It's like, well, that's not fun. You know, I, I like the Undertaker. I like these crazy characters. That that was more fun to me as a kid. But yeah, as an adult, I don't really watch it. But it seems like a nice fit for Rob Gronkowski. Yeah, I mean, my thoughts are, don't just think you can take it easy and be fine doing this. You know, like, it's, I'm sure, a very demanding profession. It might be worse as far as long-term effects on your body than the NFL. The WWF, or the WWE, professional wrestling is a tough business. And how many, I mean, if you're a headliner, if you're Ric Flair in his time, or Andre, don't they wrestle like 200 times a year? Yeah, every day. It's nonstop. Yeah, right, yeah, right. It's not just these. And that's probably what Gronk has is a deal where he's going to show up to WrestleMania and a couple of times per yeah. year, these big primetime events and do something. I mean, he's not going to tour with the with the regular crew. I, I can't imagine. It, it kind of reminds me. You're thinking, do you remember when Mr. T, I think, was a he was at a, one of the early WrestleManias yes. and I think he was Hulk's tag team partner or whatever. And you'd watch Mr. T on the A team and be like, wow, what a badass that dude is. 
And he gets in the ring and he looks like um, a tiny, tiny person compared to like <laughs> Hulk and Andre, you know, and not that Gronk will look tiny, but he won't be the biggest dude on the field anymore. No, he'll be tall, but he'll be really thin looking. And he used to yeah. be a monster on the field. And he, I think he's lost some weight since then even. So, yeah, I'm sure. Interesting. But the charisma, you know, he, he's a nice fit for that. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hit these tweets. Right off the bat here, Matt, James getting deep with his first question. He says, bit of a psychological question. All right. Why do you think more fan bases don't totally abandon their team if the franchise shows a pattern of futility for a decade plus? The team isn't holding up their end of the bargain by being entertaining and satisfying to emotionally associate with. It's a great question. I mean, I can sort of associate because like as a kid... I was real into the Steelers, Penguins, and Pirates. And now the Pirates are pretty close to being dead to me. I mean, they're, are, you know more about baseball than I do, but are they the worst organization of the last 30 years? They're pretty close. I mean, right. the last time I can remember them being good was when Barry Bonds was still there, Andy Van Slyke, you know, early 90s right. under Jim Leland. Right. And they haven't won much since then. They had a little bit of a run with Andrew McCutcheon and, and we're pretty good, but yeah, it's got to be tough to be a fan of a franchise like that that's so futile for so long. And the key with it is, from what I understand, and I'm I'm awfully sure that I'm correct on this, is just ownership really doesn't care. I mean, they've become a minor league for, they're happy making their money, and I'll gladly go to a the very cool park, PNC Park, and have a beer and a hot dog and all that. But I don't care if they win or lose. I prefer they win. If it's on in front of me, great. But I don't root for them or care when they lose because that organization, and I think football's way less, though. I mean, they almost have no chance to win. You know, I mean, they're, they're anyone you mentioned McCutcheon and Garrett Cole, and guys have been good for the Pirates. They're off doing something good somewhere else, and they get draft picks back or prospects back that never turn in. You know, it's just a t- terrible cycle. And the Nutting family does nothing about it and doesn't care, so why should I? It's pretty amazing. And the point that James brings up is a good one, but it's also, I mean, that's the Fairweather fan. That's like almost the biggest no-no in sports. Is And it's a badge of honor for a person who's a fan of a team for a decade and they don't win, and then when they finally do win, they get mad at the Fairweather fans who are showing up now that they're good again. And it's it's amazing, the, the life of a fan and the mindset of a fan and to a certain degree, I completely understand what a Fairweather fan would be and why they would be and why you even become a fan in the first place is because a team is good and entertaining and fun to watch. And if a team's not holding up their end of the bargain and they can just sit back and, and collect money and not try to win, that's really, um, I mean, you're doing a disservice to your fan base. And, and I think yeah. there should be a little bit more people trying to hold owners accountable that are just kicking back and not trying to win. Yeah, exactly. And I, I don't think there's a lot of that in the NFL, but you can look at the Bengals and the Jags. I mean, there's some perennial losers. Um, but I'm sitting here thinking, you know, the Penguins to me are kind of the opposite of the Pirates in that they have a high-class owner, they have star power, they keep their own at the trade deadline. They're trading first-round picks for guys to make a run year after year. They've been pretty darn successful over the last, you know, the, that same period when the Pirates went terrible. And if they went through a, a eight, 10 year Sid Crosby and Malkin retire and the Pens are one of the worst teams in the league, but they're still trying and doing it the right way. I'd rem- I mean, I wouldn't, they wouldn't be dead to be like the pirates. It's a fa- Yeah. I love this question. It's a fascinating question. And I, 
I don't have a great answer for it. It's human nature. It's 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 kind of a, a wild thing. And, and fans are it, one of the big things that jumps out to me with fans is how adamant like you are a garbage human being. For example, if you like if you're an Eagles fan, a Dallas Cowboys fan is just a garbage human being. But 99 percent of Eagles fans would be Cowboys fans if they just grew up in Dallas. You know, if they were born here instead of born over there. And that's what's amazing to me is people can't disassociate with that enough to say in this one. It's, it's big in my family because I'm a San Francisco Giants baseball fan. My wife doesn't care much about football, but she grew up in L.A. and she is a Los Angeles Dodgers fan. And that's like okay. that doesn't go together. You know, so our families are like, OK, you guys are going to get married. This is kind of this is kind of wild. And then you realize, yeah, you know what? If I was if I was born in L.A., I'd probably be a Dodgers fan. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And yeah, I'm sitting here thinking, you know, how many times. In my life, I've heard Steeler fans, man, I hate Ray Lewis. I can't stand that guy. I'm like, if he would have got drafted by the Steelers, you'd own 352 jerseys. <laughs> you know, what are you talking about? Oh, Richard Sherman <laughs> is the perfect example for 49ers yeah, fans. He go. was public right. enemy number one for 49ers fans when he was a Seahawk. And now everyone loves him. He's won everybody over. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, here's now, now we're getting into the important stuff here, Matt. Oh, okay, uh, okay. Joshua wants to know a couple of food-related questions here. What's your favorite beer? And you going brat or hot dog? I respect a good hot dog. I actually just mentioned sitting in a pirate game with a dog. I'm a fan of that, but brats are special. Brats are way different league. I mean, they're both tubular meat. Don't get me wrong, but you know, a, a brat to me is a a whole tier above a dog. Brat, it, this isn't even a question. They're not even. Yeah. I, I don't even know if they they should be in the same tubular meat category at all <laughs> right. because hot dog is disgusts me, and I will actually order. Uh, when I back home, there was this little hot dog stand, and I used to order um, uh, what they called a chili buns, which is basically it's a it's a chili dog with no hot dog wiener. Because I'm like, you know what? I'd okay. rather have the chili and the bread. I don't even want this mystery meat hot dog wiener. But brats <laughs> and really good sausages are something completely different, and I'm way in. So it's that's easy. It's brat way way over hot dog. I pretty much just don't eat hot dogs. Yeah, I hear you. Now how about beer for you? For me, I'm going to disappoint people because really. Since college, beer, I mean, that's 25 years ago, beer has come light years. I mean, all the IPAs and small brews, and I know zero about any of them. I just know that they're, I take a sip of my buds when we're at the bar, and I'm like, man, if I had two of those, I would be so full. So I'm like, uh, my, they make fun of me. Like, I drink what's in a green bottle. I like Moose. I like Heineken. <laughs> I mean, I could drink Miller Lite all day. and be, You know what I mean? Like, I am a macro brew, boring old dude. Yeah, I, I'm pretty excited about the beer revolution, and it's fun to try all the different. There is some that are they're just getting out of control. You know, it's like coconut yes, mango, and it's like, well, can, can you calm down a little bit? It's like, I don't, you know, why why throw so much into one beer? But I really like the hazy IPAs that are seen a lot now. I kind of like the dark and the light ends of the spectrum. I'll, I'll have a good Hefeweizen or a white beer, a white ale, or you know, pale ale. The hazies I like a lot. I don't like the malty ones in the middle, the ambers and, you know, the the the, the brown ales, the stuff in the middle of the spe spectrum. I don't like a lot, but I do like the nitro stouts, the dark ones. So that, okay. that's my favorites as, as far as beer goes. But as a bartender, it's funny to see people's tastes and uh, live in or work in downtown San Francisco. You get a lot of travelers and I'll have people come in, you know, from the Midwest. And one guy walked in and he's like, uh, Y'all yeah, have a Miller Lite, and it's like, oh yeah, we don't we don't serve Miller Lite here. We have this other <laughs> this other kind of light beer. And not only did he not want you know a craft beer or something locally brewed or something really nice, he didn't even want another domestic beer. He had his brand, and he didn't want a Bud Light. He didn't want a Coors Light. 
he wanted a Miller Lite or he was going somewhere else and he took his entire family out of the restaurant. It was pretty awesome. Wow. I can imagine, you know, like my father-in-law who recently passed had a keg of iron in his fridge at all times until <laughs> late in life. You know, like he was not drinking a different, different beer. I mean, it was an Iron City beer which is a, a Pittsburgh thing, and it's not so great, by the way. Um, yeah, and, and I think some of these people, this they want their kind of beer. A lot of Coors Light drinkers only drink Coors Light. and um, I'm not that picky, that's for sure. I like free beer. <laughs> free beer is always pretty tasty. Yeah. <laughs> Cold and free. All right, uh, we've got some more football-related questions coming up. JDS... Frequent tweeter into the show wants to know about the Vikings. Kirk Cousins, should the Vikings look to extend Cousins before he enters his contract here? That's a good question. Uh, I mean, it's kind of taking the easy way out. And, you know, you have a a quality guy that's never going to be a superstar, that's a good player, but he's never going to put the team on his back. But if you dedicate and Zimmer's this type of coach, the team to being very defensive oriented and run the ball quite a bit. You can be highly successful. I could really make a case both ways. I mean, that's a tough one for me. I just saw a conversation today on Twitter that was quite surprising. And I didn't realize how many people thought that they liked Kirk cousins over Jimmy Garoppolo. And there's talk that, you know, Kirk Cousins was Kyle Shanahan's guy from back in their Washington days, and he drafted yeah, him, and yeah. he loves him, and he was the guy rumored to be the next quarterback of the 49ers before they traded for Jimmy Garoppolo, and then uh, Cousins hit free agency. And it's one of the reasons why the 49ers skipped out on the 2017 draft of quarterbacks and didn't draft someone like uh, Deshaun Watson or Patrick Mahomes. And they just they knew that Cousins was there. Right, right. Shanahan loved Cousins. And I'm surprised that still there's some people out there and – more than I thought that, like, Cousins think he's a better quarterback than Jimmy Garoppolo. Where do you stand on that? Because I obviously think that Garoppolo is a lot better. I think he's played better now, and I think we haven't even seen how good he can be. More starts uh, if he had Thielen and Diggs to throw to. I mean, I don't think there's any question. I think there's question. Um, I thought Cousins had a stretch this year where he played extremely well and didn't get recognized for like a six- to eight-week period. I don't think that's who he is deep down. And I do prefer Jimmy, but I think they're the same tier. I think they're the same conversation. Um, I don't know. I think Jimmy probably has a higher ceiling. So my question to you, I guess, is if Jimmy's contract was set to be up after this upcoming season, as Cousins is, would you want to sign him long-term to answer the tweet? Uh, to, right to sign Jimmy Garoppolo long-term? Right, if, yeah. if if the contract situations was flopped and Jimmy's set to be a free agent a year from now, would you want your Niners to sign him right now, long-term? Yes, I, I think so. Okay. I think you've seen okay. enough, yeah, and, and you've seen what happens with the teams that don't have quarterbacks, and, and going back to that purgatory is a terrible place to be. And right. if both Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo were free agents, I would offer Garoppolo first. Uh, and, and I think next this year... This time next year, Garoppolo will have taken even another little bit of a step. And I don't know if it's going to be a massive step like Matt Ryan saw in his second year under uh, Kyle Shanahan, but I expect him to continue to be better because he just hasn't started that many games. And that's when you compare them. And if it's close between Cousins and Garoppolo, Garoppolo's younger has played so many fewer snaps in the NFL and didn't have the weapons to throw to that 
Kirk Cousins has had in Minnesota, I mean, I think it's mm-hmm. a, it's clear to me which guy I would rather have. So I was surprised to see so many people that still thought Cousins might be the better player. Uh, to your point, I think the book is more written on Cousins. Right, that's kind of my point. It's like, you know who yeah. he is, which is already where Garoppolo is, so why would you not roll with Garoppolo? Yeah, I'm with you, but I think they're similar. Oh, second part of this question uh, from JDS is about Marshall Yonda. We talked about his retirement earlier this year. Uh, outside of the Dallas guys, he says, are there any offensive linemen you think have a shot at the Hall of Fame right now? Current guys playing right this minute, do you think he means? Yes, you know, yeah, current players. I think Yonda will struggle like Fanica, but gets in. We just talked about him. I think Jason Peters goes. I think Joe Thomas goes. I know he's been retired for a while, but I think of Peters and Thomas as the best left tackles of this generation. I think your boy Staley probably falls short. Same with Whitworth. A guy like Kelsey in Philly is on that pace. He just needs to play a lot longer. I mean, O-line needs to play a long time. Am I missing anyone? I mean, like, there's some really good centers that have been in, around the league, but I don't know that there's a Hall of Famer, although I didn't think Kevin Mawai was going to go, and he did. How about someone uh, like Ronnie Stanley? Is he on the path? Maybe, but just has to do so much more. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's a really good player. Uh, talk to me in, like, six years. You know, I mean, Baselli's not in, and Stanley's not as special as Baselli. I mean, so the, a lot of these guys that look really good need to keep it up but it's a thin age to me of you know hall of famers like i would say no to de castro he's been good um zach martin i think is on the path i think frederick and tyron smith are on the path they were you know they mentioned the dallas guys um probably no one bakhtiari yeah i'm just kind of thinking of guys have been doing it for a while you know like whitworth and staley have been really good but they're not jonathan ogden here's another good one from joshua the Packers get criticized for only having Adams and Jones as weapons, but I don't see people complaining about Breeze only having Thomas and Kamara. What's the difference offensively between those two teams? Oh, I think there's some similarities, uh, and, and it's a good point because I think that what I say yesterday or two days ago, that the second most receptions by a wide receiver in New Orleans last year was still like 120 less than Thomas. You know, so... And those are the two biggest discrepancies in the league. Devontae Adams to his number two and Thomas to his number two are the biggest gaps in the league. And as great as those two players are, that's a problem. And I do think, you know, Kamara's receiving ability still holds a lot of weight. You know, we talked about him. He wasn't even 100% and he still caught 75, 80 balls. They have Jared Cook. That's a lot more than um, Graham and or Sternberger offered last year. And, so I do think it's becoming a problem in New Orleans. A, a number two receiver absolutely could be their first round pick. And I would say the biggest difference is that I would take Michael Thomas easily over Devontae Adams, and I would take Kamara True. easily over Jones, and I would take Sean Payton easily over anybody that's been coaching the Packers for the last while. So I think that's probably the difference there too. Yeah, I agreed. I mean, Thomas is probably the best receiver in the league. We'll finish up here with... George. And again, thank you to everybody who's been sending in tweets for today's program. And we'll do it again next Thursday, Twitter Thursday, all off season long here on Locked On NFL. Aside from our mock draft week, which is really fun, and that's going to be coming up in early April before the draft. It was an extravaganza last year. Look out for it. We'll be sure doing is. it again week long with everybody on 
the network picking for their teams. George says, I have a question about restricted free agents. Can you trade their rights for draft picks or are the are they just officially straight up free agents? Um you tender them at different levels. Yeah. So you know, if one of the tenders is you if I tender my guy and you still can make an offer on him as an opposing team and I would then get compensation. So it's not a trade, but like one of the stipulations is I could tender him at a second round level. So if I really want to keep him, and I think no one in the league thinks he's worth a second rounder and the money they'd have to pay him, then I'm probably pretty safe. But one of the tenders is you get the draft pick, the, the round draft pick that they were picked. So if you're a good young player that's an undrafted free agent and I tender you that way, in a way, you aren't much different than an unrestricted free agent. I mean, you could come along and make an offer, and it won't cost you a pick. So I hope that explains it. I mean, I, I wasn't super clear about it, but the team has a lot more say in the matter. No, I think you explained it well. Uh, to use some players as examples, I just saw that Taysom Hill was tendered at a first-round level. So basically, okay. he can talk Good to any pick. team he wants, and if a team signs him, they've got to give the Saints a first-round pick, which is not happening. So essentially what the Saints did is they locked him up and tendered him to a level where they knew they weren't going to lose him. Mm -hmm. and, and, and it costs you more in salary to right. give him a first-round tender than the one where you got nothing back for him because he's undrafted. And the 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 normal tender that you just get a pick back for whatever round they are drafted in, most restricted free agents are undrafted players. And undrafted free agents become restricted free agents after three years, and then you tender them for that one year, and then after their fourth year, just like all the other rookies, aside from first-rounders, uh, they become free agents after an unrestricted free agent after four years. So just putting the, the original round tender on your player doesn't really help much. Someone like Matt Breida is a restricted free agent for the 49ers. They might just tender him, which means he's pretty much a free agent and if nobody right. signs him, then the Niners keep him for whatever $2 million, whatever that tender level is. And you can get guys cheaper that way. You know, He gets less compensation, but you're risking it. And then you have someone like Austin Eckler, former undrafted free agent, where they didn't even want to go that route. They just signed him to a long-term deal. And I imagine they were worried somebody might scoop him up. Yeah, you know, even, like, yeah, yeah. even at a, a high level. Right, right, right. All right, Matt, we're out of time. Good stuff there. Um, yeah, absolutely. Those are some fun questions. Again, thank you, everybody, getting involved. We'll do it again next Thursday. You can always tweet at Matt or I at any time. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. You can find me at BD Peacock, and we'll be back here tomorrow. Locked on NFL.